heaven and you're looking for an answer, I want you to let me know. You can email me by going to our website, fcbc.life, and just scroll to the sermon card. Click on that card, and at the bottom, there's a place for you to email me directly your questions about heaven. And next Sunday, I'm going to answer as many of those as I can based on what Jesus taught and what the Bible says about heaven. And I also could use your help as well by inviting others to come. In your bulletin, there's an invitation card. If you've got a question about heaven, chances are someone you know has that same question or one of their own. Why don't you give that to them and say, I'm going to be there next week. Why don't you join me? And then next Sunday, let's come together and get some answers about heaven. Because that's a great topic. Now, we're here today to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. This is what calls us here to this place. Not only on this day, but every Sunday. We gather to celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. And maybe you wonder, what is the big deal that we celebrate Easter like we do and two billion Christians around the world celebrate Easter? Well, the big deal is that the crucial moment and the crucial teaching of the Christian faith is that God sent his son into the world who lived a perfect life and he went to a cross and he died to take the punishment that we all deserve because of our sin. He died and he was buried in a tomb, but on the third day he rose from the dead. That is the crux of Christianity, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And think about how important that message is. Without the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, Christianity falls. You could put it this way. If Jesus really rose from the dead three days later like he said he would, then game on for Jesus and everything he taught and everything he stood for. But if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then game over. Game over for Jesus, game over for everything he taught, game over for everything he stood for. We are wasting our time this morning. But the good news is the resurrection of Jesus Christ was an historical event seen by over 500 people. Many of them who gave their lives for the testimony, Jesus lives in fact, really, you can't explain Christianity without the resurrection of Jesus, the founder of Christianity. The only reason you know anything about Jesus is because he rose from the dead on the third day. There were many other religious leaders before and after Jesus who gathered groups of followers, who taught some pretty cool things, who did good deeds. But the difference between them and him is when they died, they stayed dead. But when Jesus died, he rose from the dead three days later, just like he promised. Now, maybe you're saying, wait a minute, I get Easter, but you're talking about starting a series on heaven. What does this have to do with heaven? It has everything to do with heaven. Because if Jesus can predict his own death, burial, and resurrection and pull it off three days later, then I will believe anything and everything else that man says. And I will dedicate my life to him as my Lord and Savior. And so should you, by the way. And we believe that Jesus is the one who confirms for us through his own resurrection from the tomb that heaven is real. In fact, do you remember how he taught his disciples to pray? They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, he said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is the one who teaches us that heaven is real. That we have a heavenly father who created us and who loves us in spite of our sin. And he demonstrated his great love for us by sending Jesus to die for us on the cross. And Jesus rose from the dead having paid the price for us to be right with God and to have eternal life. That's what this has to do with heaven. Because if Jesus Christ rose from the dead, then we can have the assurance of heaven as our home and our sins being forgiven. Now, probably in this large group of people, we've already had a few hundred here at the 8 o'clock traditional service, probably there are four groups of people. If you're in one group, you believe. You believe in Jesus and his resurrection, and you are here to celebrate the resurrection without reservation. Welcome today. If you're in the second group, you believe, but you have questions. How can I really know heaven is real? How can I know that my loved ones who have died have gone to heaven? And how can I know that I'll see them again one day? You believe, but you question. If you're in the third group, then you question how anyone could believe. You're going, really? Do people still believe this in the 21st century? That a man actually rose from the dead? That just doesn't happen. And if that's where you are today, welcome. As a matter of fact, it may surprise you to know that you're not the first one to not believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Do you know who the first people were who did not believe in the resurrection of Jesus? Jesus' own disciples. None of them were there that first Easter morning counting down from 10, 9, 8, cue the sun, and watching for Jesus to come out of the tomb. They were hiding. They thought it was over. They thought he was dead. They did not expect his resurrection, even though he promised them three times he would rise from the dead. So we welcome people who say, I don't believe in God. We welcome people who say, maybe there's a God, but I just don't know if you can know. And we welcome people who say, I just don't believe the resurrection happened. Because we believe there's great evidence for our faith. And we would encourage you today to consider that evidence. And if you're in the fourth group today, you probably are questioning whether you can ever believe again. You believed once. You grew up in church, but you don't believe anymore. Maybe you went to school and someone said this book is not true. Maybe you just went out into life and realized how evil and hurtful this world is and you're just try having trouble squaring the idea of a good, loving God with all the evil we see in the world and you want to believe, but you don't know if you can believe again. Welcome as well. I don't know where you are in those groups, but I'm so glad you're here because I believe the resurrection of Jesus Christ can be explained either as a myth or a metaphor or a miracle. Some say it's just a myth, never really happened. The first disciples lied about it. Or this myth developed over 100 and 200 and 300 years after Jesus lived as people told and retold his story. And they embellished it with more and more fanciful details. So either the resurrection is a myth. Or some try to hold on to the resurrection because it gives them a little nostalgia. And they say, well, I don't believe Jesus really rose from the dead. But the resurrection is just a myth. It's just, it's just a metaphor. It teaches us about new beginnings and starting over. But you've got a problem with either one of those options. The first followers of Jesus did not willingly go to their deaths as martyrs for a myth or a metaphor. 
People don't die for myths and metaphor. People don't die for what they know to be a lie or for what they think is just some fuzzy feeling they have on the inside. And that leaves the third option. The resurrection is a miracle. That God intervened in the life of his son who died on a cross and was buried and he rose from the dead on the third day. And those first followers of Jesus went to their deaths because they said, we didn't believe this until we saw him with our own eyes. And we can understand how others don't believe, but take us at our word. We're willing to put our lives on the line for what we've seen. Jesus is God's son. Jesus rose from the dead. So that's what we want to talk about today because there's a person who encountered Jesus alive who didn't at first believe that Jesus was the Savior, the Son of God. He certainly did not believe in the resurrection from the dead. His name is Paul. And so I'm going to take you today to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. And I want us to look at verses 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7 just very quickly. And then we're going to continue in chapter 15 and look at what is at stake for each of us if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Because in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, Paul, who was at first a persecutor of Christians, who rejected this teaching that Jesus rose from the dead, who actually put Christians in prison and was happy when they were killed for their faith, he later encountered Jesus physically alive from the grave, and it changed his life. Paul went from being a persecutor of Christians to one of the persecuted Christians himself. And before Paul's life would be over, his head's going to be chopped off by the Roman Empire. For one reason, he was a Christian preaching the resurrection of Jesus. What happened to this guy? How was his life so radically transformed? It would be like bin Laden having become a Christian. You'd say something had to have happened to make that happen. How did this persecutor of Christians be become one? Well, he tells us in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, for I delivered to you, he's talking to the Corinthians, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. So he said, when I came to your city and I preached Jesus to you, the most important message, the first message that I preached to you is what I'm about to share. And I preached it to you in a way that it was taught to me so we can remember it and retell it. And now he's about to give us what is an early Christian creed. This is how he puts it. That Christ died for our sins according to to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's the apostle Peter, then to the twelve, that's just a technical term for the disciples. Verse 6, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. That means it wasn't a hallucination. These all were together, 500 people, more than 500. And he says, if you don't believe me that Jesus was seen, he says, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep, though some have died. Then he, Jesus, appeared to James. That was, by the way, the brother of Jesus. Then to all the apostles. And later Paul would write, and he appeared to me. Paul is saying, we are eyewitnesses of the resurrected Jesus. And Paul says, if you don't believe me, over 500 people saw Jesus alive. Go ask them yourself. Some of them have died, but the majority of them are still alive. Listen, you don't make that claim. You don't challenge people to check out your story if it's a myth, if it's a legend, if it's just a metaphor. But you have nothing to hide 
if you know it's the truth. And he says, go and look. Jesus changed our lives where we are now ambassadors for Christ all over the world. Now, to buttress his point that everything rises or falls on the resurrection of Jesus, that if Jesus rose from the dead, game on, but if he didn't, game over, Paul gives us three things that are at stake if Jesus did not rise from the dead. First of all, what is at stake if Jesus did not rise from the dead? If Christ is not risen from the dead, then your faith is futile. Your faith is empty. Your faith is worthless. Your faith is a joke. If Jesus, in whom you've placed your faith, is still in a tomb somewhere and never got out alive. Here's how Paul writes it, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. Your trust in him is futile. So Christians stake their lives on the conviction that if you have faith in Jesus, God's son, God does something in your life. God forgives you of your sin. God gives you the gift of eternal life. God is with you every moment of your life. And God even ushers you into the presence of God when you come to the end of your life. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 says, For by God's grace are you saved through your faith in Christ. You're not forgiven of your sin by your good works. But Paul tells the Corinthians that faith in Jesus is futile. It's not going to help you at all if Jesus did not make it out of the grave alive. You know, when drug companies are testing a new drug, they will often have control groups. One group gets the real drug. The other group gets a placebo. And neither group knows, but the people that are taking the placebo sometimes will report, man, I feel better. This thing is working. This is a good drug. Where has this been all my life? And they don't realize they're taking a sugar pill. It's not helping them at all. There's no effect at all. There's no healing at all taking place in their body. It is all in their mind. And if you put your faith in Jesus, who is still in a grave somewhere, you may feel better. You may feel more spiritual. You may feel forgiven. You may feel connected to God. But it's just a placebo. It's all in your head, Paul says. Because a dead Savior can't save you. In fact, he goes on. The second thing that is at stake if Christ did not rise from the dead. If Christ is not risen from the dead, your faith is futile. But also, your failures are fatal. Your failures are fatal. Who do you turn to whenever things go wrong? At the beginning of the 20th century, there was a great engineer named Charles Steinmetz. He worked for the General Electric Company. He knew everything there was to know about every generator and piece of equipment that GE produced. And when he retired, he took a wealth of knowledge with him. The story goes that one day, Henry Ford was having a problem with one of the uh, machines at the automobile plant, and no one knew how to fix it. So they called Mr. Steinmetz out of retirement. Charles came to the plant. He went up to the broken piece of machinery, listened to it for a few moments, took out of his pocket a piece of chalk, put an X mark on one piece of the equipment, and then went home. Said, replace that, it'll be fine. A week later, Henry Ford gets a bill for $10,000. And even in that day, $10,000 was a lot of money. So he said, I need an itemized bill before I pay $10,000 to this guy who was here a very short period of time and put a chalk mark on a piece of equipment. 
So a week after the request, Steinmetz sent the invoice in, and Henry Ford's accounting office opens it. It had two items. Chalk X mark, $1. Knowing where to place the mark, $9,999. <laughs> Who do you turn to when, when something goes wrong? I don't mean in a piece of equipment, but I mean in your life. Let's just be honest for a moment. Things go wrong in our lives. And often, I'm my own worst enemy. When I do wrong, when I make mistakes, when I mess up, when I don't live up to my standard of right and wrong, much less God's standard, who do you turn to when you realize you're a sinner? Who do you turn to when you realize you ruined your marriage and you broke your vows and you broke your family's heart? Who do you turn to when you need forgiveness? Who do you turn to when you hurt your children irreparably? You weren't there for them when they needed you growing up. Who do you turn to when you've given your life over to an addiction that has humiliated you and brought you to the end almost of life itself? Who do you turn to whenever you can't sleep at night because of the guilt and the shame that you feel over your past and you have such regret of what you've done in your past? Who do you turn to? Who do you call? You see, we, we believe that we can call on Jesus. Romans chapter 5, 8 says that, that at just the right time, while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. In Romans 5, 8, while God demonstrates his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, we turn to Jesus. We turn to him and say, Jesus, I can't make up my past. I can't redo what I've done wrong, but I could receive your forgiveness. You took my punishment. I put my faith in you. But Paul says you might as well be calling on a ghost because your failures are fatal if Jesus is still in that tomb. He puts it this way. He says in verse 17 and verse 18, and if Christ has not been raised, then you are still in your sins. I'm sorry, that was verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, you are still in your sins. He said, but, but I called out on Jesus to forgive me, to make me right with God, to give me a new beginning. Yes, but if he's still in a tomb somewhere, he can't hear you, and he can't help you. You might as well be calling on Julius Caesar or Abraham Lincoln or anybody else from history to help you because if a dead Savior is in the grave, he cannot hear you, he cannot help you. But Paul's not done. He gives us a third item that is at stake, a third reality that is at stake if Jesus did not rise from the dead. Your faith is futile. It's worthless. Your failure is fatal. He can't save you from the penalty of your sin because he couldn't make it out of a grave himself. And number three, your funeral is final. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then your funeral is final. That's it. It's over. If Jesus did not rise from the dead. Look at verse 18. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. People who put their faith in Jesus to receive forgiveness and eternal life and heaven as their home, they've actually perished. If Jesus couldn't make it out of his tomb, what makes you think he's going to let you out of yours? It's over. It's done. You say, that's kind of depressing. Come on, it's, it's Easter morning. And he's talking about death. 
Kind of hard to talk about a resurrection without talking about death. You do understand that, don't you? And this is the ultimate statistic. One out of one people die. So we might want to think about it, right? There's a lot at stake here. And I want to know what happens when I die. And, and I know it's hard to talk about death. We talk about almost anything in our culture. But we don't like to talk about the D word. Don't use the D word. Don't talk about death. We need to get up in the morning. Some of you got up today and you sat down at your breakfast table and you ate a cereal called life. Nobody gets up and eats a bowl of death. No, I mean, you're not going to sell many boxes of death cereal. Mom, children, eat your death and let's get ready. We got to go. We, we play a game called life. We, we like to play a game called life. We adults even buy something called life insurance. Wow, I got, I got this much life insurance. What do you got to do to collect that? Well, then why don't you just call it death insurance? Because it's hard to sell death insurance. I want to talk to you about purchasing some death insurance. Nobody wants to do that. And so I know it's hard to talk about death. But the Apostle Paul says if Jesus died and that was the end for him, then what makes you think you can escape the ultimate clutches of death? How depressing this is. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And I don't just feel that grief in my heart for my own death to think that when I die, it's it. That's, it's over. I think about all my loved ones and all my friends who have already died in Christ. And I have found such comfort, and I know you have found such comfort in those moments of grief when we stand at the graveside of a loved one or we come to a memorial service of a loved one and we hang on to those promises like Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. We hang on to those promises, 2 Corinthians 5, 8, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. We find such solace in the promise of Jesus in John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself so that where I am there you may be also. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And we cling to the promise that Jesus made in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And Paul says, If Christ has not risen from the dead, then your funeral is final. There is no heaven. There is no afterlife. There's no getting out of this. This is your lot. He even says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, so if you can't have hope that takes you to the next life, we are of all people most to be pitied. How foolish we've been to put our faith in a dead Savior 
thinking it can change something for us. Some people say, well, false hope's better than no hope. That's just not true. False hope is a lie. You remember the 1998 movie, The Truman Show? Jim Carrey plays Truman, and Truman lives in this idyllic community called Sea Haven, and everything's awesome. He's got this loving wife. He has this great best friend, and his whole community supports him and greets him every day. His life is so perfect, it's as if everything's scripted. And little does he realize his whole life is scripted. From his birth, he has been the center of a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week, 365-day-a-year reality television show. Everyone else knows the truth but Truman. He's living a lie. That wife of his who's so loving, she actually harbors disdain for him. She can't stand him. She hates being the actress playing his wife. That friend of his is only saying nice words and words of encouragement because the director is whispering them in his earpiece. And all of those community members who support him, they're scripted. Go here, do this. Here's how you treat Truman. And it makes him miserable. He starts to realize there's something wrong there's something off about my world. Everything I believe doesn't seem right. And we discover the truth as he discovers the truth. And Paul is saying, if you're living a lie and your faith in Jesus is only good this side of the grave, we are to be pitied people because we're living a lie. By the way, is it, is it true that Jesus didn't rise from the dead? Or is that the lie that he didn't rise from the dead? Look at verse 20. Paul emphatically declares, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Paul says, Take my word for it as an eyewitness. I didn't believe in his resurrection either until I encountered him on the Damascus road and he changed my life. And I want you to know Christ indeed has risen. This is not a myth. It's not a metaphor. It's a miracle. And it can change your life. And dear friend, we can know heaven is real. Because he rose from the dead. And everything else he says, we can believe him. We can trust him. Because Jesus lives your faith is not futile. He hears you when you pray. He is honored when you worship him. He weeps when you weep and he rejoices when you rejoice. And he never leaves you and he never forsakes you, not even for a moment. And because he lives, not only is your faith not futile, your failures are not final. You put your trust in Jesus, you've put your trust in a living Lord and Savior. He died, but yes, he rose on the third day. And today, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He paid the price in full. And because he rose, your funeral will not be final. Whenever you leave this body, you get to go and be with Jesus in heaven and Paul says, one day, you're going to get a resurrection body just like Jesus got on that first Easter morning because Jesus was the first fruits of those who died. He came out of the grave alive with a body that would never die again. 
And where there's a first fruit, there is a greater harvest to come. And one of these days when Christ returns, he changes our bodies. Never grow old, never be sick, never be tired, no more cancer, no more heart disease, no more pain, no more suffering. But we will live for eternity in bodies that are made perfect like Jesus. That is the truth. The good news is, the good news is not fake news. This is real. Heaven is real and you can know it because he is risen So if you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you celebrate the resurrection today without reservation, then praise God. But today, if you believe but you have questions, let me tell you, your faith in Jesus is well-placed and he can handle all of your questions. He can handle all of your fears. He can handle all the mysteries of life. Just trust him. And maybe you say, I question how anyone can believe. I pray that today you will see that ours is not a blind faith. Ours is faith based on the eyewitness testimony of those who lived. And our faith is based on the work of Jesus in our own hearts and lives. And we pray that you too will examine that evidence and come to the realization this is a miracle. And if Jesus can do that, I can trust him with my life. And if you question, if you can ever believe again, I think Jesus would say, come home. The church may disappoint you, but I never will. Christians may hurt you, but I never will. The world may hurt you and confuse you. I never will. Don't throw away your faith in me by those other doubts. Just trust me. I want us to pray today, and maybe for the first time in your life, you want to receive Christ as your Savior. In the stillness of this moment, you can do that right where you sit. Salvation is between you and God through faith in Jesus. And I want to lead you in a prayer that will help you talk to him. You don't have to pray this out loud. You can just pray it silently in your heart. And based on the promise of God's word, Romans chapter 10, whoever calls on Jesus' name will be saved from their sin. Isn't that awesome? Whoever. doesn't matter how young, how old, what you've done, how bad you've been. Whoever calls on him and says, Jesus saved me. Because he's alive and he's the son of God, he can save you. And how do you know he's the son of God worthy of your faith? Because he rose from the dead. I I just got back from England. I was there for a week. And I don't know how many times I had to pull out some form of ID to prove I was who I said I was. At the ticket counter, had to show my passport, had to show my boarding pass. Even in Dublin, had to stand for facial recognition. I think Donna's behind that. I think she just wanted to make sure I was actually going where I said I was going. (laughs) And you have to do the same thing. Type in this four-digit passcode. Put in your password. You have to constantly throughout the day prove you are who you say you are. And over 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ once and for all demonstrated he is who he says he is. He has the power to do what he says he can do. He rose from the dead. He's the son of God, and he can forgive you of your sin and make you right now and for eternity. Let's talk to him. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for us on the cross. And we pray that today, for every follower of Jesus, they would be renewed in their passion for Jesus and trusting him. For those who have questions and they want to believe again, may they come home to their faith in Christ.
not in the church, not in other Christians, but in Jesus. And Father, if there's someone who says, I just don't believe, but now I do, that they would say to you, dear God, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're alive from the grave. And I know that you can hear me as I talk to you in my heart. And you've promised whoever believes in you would not perish in their sin, but would have everlasting life. Jesus, I take you at your word. I turn from my sin and I believe in you. I put my hope and my trust and my confidence in you to forgive me of my sin and to be my Lord and my Savior. And Jesus, I take you at your word. Now, having forgiven me, having, having given me eternal life, help me to learn more about you so that I can draw closer to you and trust you more each and every day. And God, we thank you and praise you that our salvation is not just for this life. It is for the life to come. That to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that one of these days, the same resurrected Jesus will come back and raise our bodies and change them into glorified bodies like he had on that first resurrection morning. Ain't no grave going to keep this body down. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.